You are listening to South Niagara Conversations, a podcast presented by the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, along with 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Well, hello, and thanks to everyone who's joined us for our South Niagara Conversation series. For those of you who are tuning in from afar, we represent the communities of Fort Erie, Niagara Falls, Port Coburn, Waynefleet, Welland, and Pelham. We're located in Southern Ontario, no better place to live, work, or play. Joining me today is my guest co-host, Rob Cheevers. Good morning, Rob. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks, Dolores. I'm uh, hoping for some big news from the federal government today regarding border crossing. So it's uh, fingers crossed today. Fingers crossed. Yes, I think we're all expecting some good news today on a Friday. That would be great. Uh, today, I'm, I'm very happy to be talking about uh, two of our greatest assets here in Niagara. We're incredibly lucky to have both a community college and a university. I personally am a product of both. I'm excited about this conversation because uh, both the college and university have often been champions for resources that are aligned with not only the current needs of their students, but also of the larger Niagara community. Rob, let's get right to it. Who do we have joining us this morning? Thanks, Lawrence. This morning, we welcome the president of Niagara College, Sean Kennedy, as well as the interim president of Brock University, Dr. Lynn Wells. Welcome to both of you, and thank you for joining us. Uh, Sean, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, you've been with the college for many years, but became president just before the pandemic hit. Can you talk a little bit about what your vision was pre-pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me first of all just say what a pleasure it is to uh, to be here this morning, uh, with the um, South Niagara uh, Chambers. Um, I, I, you know, the my I had the the uh, I guess uh, notable start of uh, I started on February twenty fourth of twenty twenty uh, as president, <laughs> and three weeks later, uh, all hell broke loose. So I had three weeks of you know normal and thinking about the vision, and then and then of course a, an incredible pivot uh, as we all faced, as all businesses and organizations faced. But I'm not sure the the vision, my own vision has changed from when I began as president. It has remained constant throughout. And I'm so looking forward to being able to to really uh, implement uh, some aspects of that in our new strategic plan, uh, which which we're in the process of of formulating after a really extensive set of consultations uh, that we've done uh, mostly virtually, but also sometimes in person, internally and externally. Uh, and really, it is uh, around the lever- really leveraging the strength points of a college that has uh, has established itself as one of the top colleges in the entire country. Uh, so we will remain committed to to working uh, through our research and innovation division to support productivity and the economic competitiveness of, of businesses. Uh, to, to, to be a strong partner with our communities and community organizations and, and businesses. I mean, partnerships has always been a cornerstone of, of what has, has made us effective, I think, as, as a college and as a community college. And uh, while we're focused locally on, on Niagara, that we, we also are uh, Canada's most globally engaged college, that we're going to be always thinking global uh, while, while focusing on, on the local. Yeah, and... and uh... Rob, you were part of the um, strategic planning engagement. Um, we, we were lucky enough in South Niagara to have all four of our boards uh, participate and provide some input. And we really appreciated that opportunity because we did have some thoughts and, uh, and we were happy to be able to share that. So thanks for that, Sean. Um, so Dr. Wells, we'll, we'll get to you. Uh, you were the university's provost and vice president academic before you were named the interim president just this past July. 
What were some of the first things that you had to tackle in, in your new role? Great. Good morning, uh, Dolores, and, and thanks so much for, for having me. It's, it's a great pleasure to be here. So uh, as you say, I joined uh, Brock University uh, in July of 2020 in the role of Provost and Vice President of Academics, so the Senior uh, Academic Officer, and I continue to hold that that title. Uh, but in uh, June, when Dr. Firon, our, our previous president, moved to George Brown, the, the Board asked me to serve as interim as well. So uh, it's been it's been a busy time. Uh, of course, July of 2021 saw us preparing for a fall uh, that we couldn't really anticipate clearly. Uh, well into the summer, we had uh, been told to anticipate that we would be fully back on campus with no restrictions whatsoever, that the vaccination uh, program was very effective and that we could essentially uh, return to normal life. But as we all know, throughout uh, July and August, we started to hear about the Delta variant uh, and the impact that that was having in terms of transmissibility, even by people who were fully vaccinated. And that led to uh, a pretty quick uh, turn uh, where we uh, worked uh, across uh, the Council of Ontario Universities uh, with the Ministry and the Chief Medical Officer of Health to arrive at a vaccination uh, requirement program that would allow us to return to campus. And we knew that it was very important for our students to get back to campus this fall. The year of the pandemic has been extremely difficult for students with uh, online learning really only, only available to them, uh, no on-campus experience to speak of, you know, no ability to make friends or, or build relationships. So we worked extremely hard in the month of August uh, to implement uh, a robust vaccine uh, requirement program uh, and uh, to upload the status of all the members of our community, faculty, staff, and students, uh, thousands and thousands of records, each one verified manually uh, in advance of the return to campus. And I'm pleased to say that it's gone extremely well, uh, that you know, campus life is, is good. Uh, we've had virtually no you know, cases of COVID on campus to speak of, uh, just a handful and all really well managed and under control. Mm. So I, I heard yesterday, I don't want to start any rumors, but, but I heard yesterday that Carleton had announced that they were going back to online learning for January. Have, have you guys no, I, I personally, I hadn't heard that. I don't know if, if Sean has, but, you know, each university does, of course, have to make its own decisions in terms of its own risk analysis. But uh, Brock's plan for the winter term is to continue a mix of in-person and online instruction uh, with, in fact, an increase of, of in-person presence going up to about 80% of our, our classes will be offered on campus in, in January and we will continue to enforce our, our vaccine mandate. And Sean, how about how about the college? Well, we um, uh, are uh, first of all very proud of the fact that that we we throughout the pandemic have had students on campus uh, for their lab hands-on learning experiences. Uh, we had about half of our students last year throughout the pandemic on campus uh, for some portion that 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 hands-on portion of their learning. Uh, we've increased that this fall and, and come the winter semester, we expect to have every student uh, back on campus for some portion of their program. So we have gradually ramped up the percentage of, of programs or courses and labs that are being offered, uh, but we'll have 100% of our, our programs uh, where, where there's an on-campus component, uh, those students will be back uh, in the winter semester and we can hardly wait. 
Uh, we, we are very confident that, as I mentioned throughout all of last year and then this fall, uh, we've had students on campus and we haven't, have not had a single case of on-campus uh, transmission uh, of COVID. And so we're, we're very confident in, in our very strict protocols uh, that we have in place. And the, the mandatory vaccination uh, policy has added an extra level of, of safety. Um, so, so we want to you know, continue to, to put health and safety front and center. But I think as, as, as Lynn mentioned, also recognize the importance uh, for university and college students of having that, that in-person interaction, of having some sense of, 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 of community uh, outside of, of their you know, virtual learning, uh, sitting alone uh, and, and in their dorm room or in, in their parents' basement. Uh, it, it, we really do need to balance that mental health uh, set of concerns and that opportunity for, for you know, human connection uh, with, with the need to balance the, the public health uh, and safety concerns. Right, and both the university and college have such spectacular campuses. Um, you know, the university, I, I mean, I was a student there many, many years ago. And, you know, every time I, I go to the university, I, I, I have to call Megan and say, where do I go and how do I get there? And because it's just so, it's grown so much and it's, it's gorgeous. And of course, Niagara College with uh, two amazing campuses that again are beautiful. Um, it's a shame to have them empty and we really want, you know, the students back and, and the staff as well. I mean, that, that, that um, engagement is so important. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, our, our foreign students, our international students, because we, we really, we really miss them in the community. Um, for, for our members, those international students um, really feel, feel, a big role in terms of some of the part-time jobs um, and jobs after the fact. And uh, there was a big impact to some of our businesses. So how are we doing with um, getting the international students back and, and on campus? Would you like to start, Sean? Sure, I'm happy to jump in. Uh, thank you for the question, Doris. I, I think it's, it's critical. And, and again, I'm so uh, grateful to to the the chamber and, and uh, the, the you know the the four individual chambers that were involved uh, in our strategic plan consultation because that that sense of and the importance of of you know us supporting the local but but also that global engagement is, is going to be part continue to be part of of our strategic plan and, and our our um, our efforts moving forward and, and where we concentrate those efforts and uh, we have uh, we're very aware of. Uh, of the importance of, of bringing young people from outside of, of Niagara, um, other parts of Ontario, other parts of Canada, but also around the world to the Niagara region because we have a labor shortage. We have a labor shortage crisis on our hands. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, we, we're aware that, that our, our international students help to fill some immediate needs for, for many, many employers uh, that, are, that are members of, of the, you know, the, South, the South Niagara Chamber. Um, and, and across Niagara. But I think we also are, are, and you'll start to hear me talk about this more, I think we also need to talk about how these are ideal immigrants, uh, future immigrants, and Canada needs uh, greater levels of, of immigration to meet our future labor, labor force needs. And, and the best source of future immigrants are students that have already been trained at a college, or, a Canadian college or university, 
have some Canadian work experience, and then are so well equipped to make that transition. So I think both short term and long term, that's going to continue to be a real strategic thrust for us. Uh, and throughout the pandemic, we have had uh, you know, over a thousand uh, students uh, last year and then uh, come into to, uh, to Canada uh, and, and to Niagara College to study at Niagara College. We had extraordinarily strict quarantine uh, requirements. Uh, we had hotels in Niagara Falls that were, were, uh, were, were they did a great job working with us. To, to safely quarantine those students, we had public uh, we had public health come and do COVID tests, you know, room to room, really quite quite extraordinary um, uh, supports. And then this year we, we continue to bring international students back, so we, we are back to our normal levels of international students come the winter, uh, and I think that will be uh, greatly appreciated uh, by by so many of your members. Yeah, that's great news, Lynn. Yes, uh, like Niagara College, Brock, of course, is eager to get uh, its international students back. Uh, there have been a number of challenges for students trying to arrive from, from other countries. The, the guidelines and the rules have changed a number of times, understandably, given the changing conditions with the pandemic. And, you know, we've really been focused on assisting our international students in every way that we can to, to make their way back to Canada. Uh, we were fortunate that about a thousand of our international students students never left the country during uh, when the pandemic broke out they actually stayed uh, and so didn't have to face those hurdles of of trying to make their way back but you know one thing that really struck me uh, over the past few months is that we did a, a consultation through the McConnell Foundation and, and Sean and I were both involved in that with you know leaders from across the region and uh, what every leader said uh, really emphatically was that they valued uh, the college and the university bringing international students to uh, to Niagara and uh, to bringing those people with great skills and great energy and, and you know hopes for the future uh, and you know, people who can really contribute to diversifying Niagara and building rebuilding the economy in a strong way. So uh, you know that's something that Brock is really committed to is to expanding our international student population and making sure they're well supported. And, and one of the ways we're doing that is through uh, developing a new engineering program that we'll be uh, launching in the next few years. Yeah, that's very exciting. Uh, the engineering program. We'll, we'll we'll get back to that. I I, I just uh, want to jump in here yeah. for a second because I I feel like the during the pandemic there's been an a void in the community, not just of international students, but just students of both the college and the university in our community. I mean, those are not just our labor force, but they're also just good citizens. And it's part of what I love about living in this region is having those students around as part of the community. So I'm really pleased to hear that you're gonna have 80 to 100% back um, between the two institutions of in-person learning. Um, experiential learning is something that both institutions do really well. And so I'm wondering, um, what opportunities have come up through the pandemic to that could perhaps get these students engaged in the community as we move forward or back towards in-person learning? Maybe, uh, Rob, I'd be happy to start with that and then hand over to Sean. Uh, throughout the pandemic, we continued our, our real engagement with experiential learning. It's one of the hallmarks of Brock as an institution. Uh, is the, the emphasis on experiential learning, work integrated learning. Uh, and of course that had to have new dimensions during the pandemic because everything had to be virtual. But uh, we, we found really innovative ways of continuing that work. We launched uh, a program called Brock's Got Talent 
to showcase our, our, our students' uh, different uh, abilities and skills. Uh, and we had uh, students from the Goodman School of Business uh, working with community partners to help those uh, local businesses adapt to the pandemic conditions in terms of uh, enhancing their digital presence, uh, helping them with e-commerce uh, solutions, uh, and just generally rethinking their business models. So it was a, a great learning experience for our students, and I think uh, really appreciated by a number of local businesses. It's excellent. Sean? I'll just unmute myself and jump in. Um, well, I, I think it, it really the pandemic has shown uh, some great innovation uh, by our faculty and by our students in terms of how to respond to meet community needs, uh, but to, you know to do it uh, you know in a, in a different way and to enable that experiential learning uh, because those always go hand in hand for us. Uh, that often the experiential learning, uh, whether it's working on a re an applied research project with a local business to help them solve a real world problem, is experiential for the student, but it's supporting supporting uh, the local economy and and our, our employers. Uh, or, uh, uh, you know, supporting different community organizations. So a couple of examples in terms of some of those innovations that came up for us uh, is, you uh, know, through our health and community studies areas, ways of, of virtually supporting uh, the, the fitness and health promotion in some of our long-term care homes uh, that, that uh, otherwise our students would be in there working, working with seniors in those homes, but, but we gave them iPads and did some things virtually with them in order to keep, keep that focus on, on just staying connected uh, with this particularly uh, vulnerable individuals uh, in our long-term care homes, that sense of connection with students they normally would have in person they could do virtually uh, with, uh, with, with you know, a focus on, on, on health and, and um, you know, uh, physical health, but we also know the import that's so important for, for mental health as well. And another example was our culinary uh, programs uh, continued uh, throughout, throughout last year, as I mentioned, uh, we had many, many of our programs had, had some on-campus elements. Uh, but normally they'd they'd be we'd have students on campus or or a restaurant open and, and some of that that uh, food could be used in, in other you know could be served in other ways, but we didn't have those those same customers. So instead, uh, our culinary students did a feed the community program, uh, where they they did hundreds of meals every week, and those meals went out uh, to to food banks or community service agencies across Niagara. Uh, and, and again, a way of serving the community, but also providing that experiential learning for our students. Participating business of the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, an amazing online presence for you has arrived. NiagaraGiftCards.com is a website for you to sell your business's gift cards and receive 100% of the proceeds. Increase your digital presence and build your business. Join the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce six-month pilot project for free today. Visit NiagaraGiftCards.com to learn more and to fill out the sign-up sheet. The South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, helping businesses grow. Yeah, we, we had a great experience too, a project that we, um, it was with Brock, with, with the university uh, last year, uh, the university spearheaded it. And I, I, I forget the amount of students that we had, but we had a number of students that we basically deployed into the membership. So it was projects that the membership needed assistance with, whether it was you know, creating a digital platform or, or um, looking at inventory levels or HR policies, uh, just very specific things that students were able to go in and take care of these, these projects for our members. And it was a wonderful experience, um, something that, that many of the members at the time either didn't have the time or the resources to do themselves. So the students were, were fantastic. 
And then this year, um, you, you know, we took it on ourselves, but it was the staff at the university who guided us in putting together that grant application. And, um, and we actually have a team of, of Brock uh, staff members who've helped us vet the projects and are, are mentoring the students as they, as they work with our membership. So those are examples of, of things and partnerships that we love um, because it's, the impact is, is you, you can see it, it's so tangible. And, um, and, and of course there's, there's um, examples of, of uh, similar projects with the college. Uh, you know, we were talking about the international students and before the pandemic, we were, you know, looking at the labor shortage, and uh, like Sean said, it is a crisis, but it was a problem before the pandemic, and uh, it was the college staff that guided us uh, in terms of educating our members how to work with our international students to get their citizenship, and what some of the pitfalls were, and what some of the programs were, and um, you know, just just navigating around some of those issues. But but it was the the college staff who really were the resource for us. So these are the types of partnerships that, that you know, in my opening remarks, I said, we're, we're incredibly lucky to have these two assets. I really mean that because there's a lot of work that, that we can't do on our own. Um, and we need both of you to, to support us. So <laughs> it's, it's a little love fest this morning, Rob. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I manage a, a business in Fort Erie, which is, um, you know, relatively rural. So it's sometimes tough to get staff. We have over a hundred employees and, you know, we leverage both the college for the culinary program and the university, particularly for the sport management program um, to run internships and, you know, provide summer jobs for students. So as a business uh, operator, I'm very grateful <laughs> for the proximity of both of those campuses. So I'm wondering, because we always have students sort of on our campus um, and, you know, it's interesting. I always make sure to find time to get to know each of them and understand, you know, what they're studying and, and where their research is headed. But I'm wondering uh, from the institution side, you know, having these students integrated in a community, which both organizations do so well, how does that shape your research with what the students are bringing back to campus? Right. Well, maybe I, I'll, I'll start, Sean. Uh, Certainly, we have engaged students uh, of all levels in research, you know, undergraduate students, and of course, graduate students play a critical role in supporting uh, the research programs of our faculty members, uh, which in turn, of course, have a, a great impact uh, on the community as well. So, uh, you know, we have students involved in things such as uh, research on the, on the need for childcare, uh, accessible childcare as a um, uh, part of the economic recovery or uh, things around safe and affordable housing for, for women, uh, poverty reduction work. Um, we have people looking at children's mental health um, and of course, increasingly uh, research connected to indigenous people uh, and, and their uh, unique needs uh, in society. So uh, for us, it, it's, it's critical as part of students learning journey to make sure that they have the opportunity to do research, to contribute, to, set, to support uh, faculty research, but always in response to community needs. That's uh, uh, really the, the most important component of our research is its responsiveness to community because that's uh, part of Brock's you know, strategic direction. Excellent. Let, let me unmute again. Um, well, I, I guess uh, in, this is such a, a key uh, part of, of, of who we are uh, as, as a college. 
And we are very proud uh, that we have been one of uh, the top uh, colleges in the country in terms of applied research funding. And uh, we want to continue to make sure that we seek that, that funding because our model is, is that businesses come to us uh, and they help to identify the research and development needs that they have so that we, uh, particularly in some of our areas of expertise around uh, the Walker Advanced Manufacturing Innovation Center, uh, through our food technology uh, center of excellence and, and our agricultural uh, centers of, of excellence, that that we're able to work with with local sectors uh, in order to provide solutions uh, to the problems that they have. Yeah, that that's and just. I should probably just give a couple of examples. I was just thinking yeah. in terms of some of your members. Uh, just on the, on the advanced manufacturing piece uh, that uh, we've worked uh, both with abatement technologies, which I know is, is a growing business uh, in, in Fort Erie uh, and uh, Andrew Harbor, their, their CEO is, is now on our board of governors. We're thrilled to have him on, on our board. Uh, but we've done, uh, we first got to know abatement technologies because they came to our, to our research and innovation area uh, for, for a project and we worked with them to, to help them uh, advance their business. Uh, we've also done done work with fleet where we've taken some of our again with the advanced manufacturing capabilities we have and are are using using lasers uh, to help them uh, assess some of their their processes uh, within within their plant. So I think those are examples on the manufacturing side. We also have it on the agricultural side and, and the food technology sides uh, where where we're helping local businesses uh, either develop new products or improve their, their uh, efficiencies and processes. Yeah, and I think that's what we're always hoping for from you know, um, both the university and the college is that you're gonna be able to respond to the needs of, of the business community as they come up because you know, things change. And um, I know at, at the university, uh, you, you've got the um, micro-credential program. So the one that comes to mind is um, the insurance one uh, for the uh, insurance industry because We've been hearing from many of our members um, for years that you know that industry really has a tough time finding um, people. And so, Lynn, I don't know if you can talk a little bit about about those types of programs. Certainly, no, and that's that's a great example, Dolores, to you know the, a program that helps to prepare uh, students for uh, engagement with the insurance industry. We call these our our, our plus programs uh, and it really um, is a model for what we're building more and more through our new uh, uh, pro uh, professional and continuing studies division. We've recently hired a, a wonderful associate vice president uh, for continuing and continuing studies, April Dawn Blackwell, uh, and she's going to help us to continue to build micro-credentials again in response to what people in uh, the communities uh, are looking for, uh, really accessible programming, short-term um, non-credit programming that people can do to upgrade their, their current employment or if perhaps are looking for a change of employment. We know there's a lot of mobility uh, in the economy because of the pandemic. Uh, people, the nature of people's work is changing in terms of you know, work from home or you know, people engaging in perhaps multiple uh, career, career points at the same time, moving between sectors. So uh, with our new professional and continuing studies division, we'll be developing more and more micro-credential options uh, for, for people to uh, get engaged with uh, in a very simple, accessible and affordable way. So will those types of programs, um, do, do you see those being more virtual? Because I'm thinking those, those programs will appeal to people who are already 
working. Um, and and I, I'm wondering if that's the thought process that they, they will continue to be more of a virtual type of, of learning. And, and Sean, please feel free to. Yeah, I, I was just going to, I think, you know, one of the silver linings, I guess, of, of the pandemic has been it's forced us to think about new new modes of delivery, uh, new ways of, of, of taking that in-person uh, learning with more flexible options for working, you know, working professionals that want to upgrade their skills or, or re, retool and look at a new career. So we have a, a plan in place working uh, through our, our, you know, with, with um, our, through our academic areas. I, I know a number of areas are looking at ways of, of increasing that, that hybrid uh, approach so that there is greater flexibility. We also, uh, of course, uh, you know, I think one of the things for, for and I'm always, uh, uh, we have lots of students, a majority of our students are, uh, you know, kind of in that 18 to 24 year old range. But we also have a bigger proportion of students, uh, often than other post-secondary institutions, of, of professionals that have come back to school for our one-year graduate programs in particular, that simply uh, are ready to make a career change. Uh, and those one-year graduate certificates, uh, you know, are, are so popular. And there's always a mix of, of, of age ranges uh, in, in those. So we wanna make sure we continue to have the, the way we deliver all of our programs, we look at ways of enhancing flexibility, but also offer programs that we know are in demand for individuals that are either underemployed or frankly, ready to make a career change. So can I ask you, and, and, and Lynn, I want, want to hear what you have to say on this too, but um, Sean, like, is there still a continuing education um, uh, component to the college? I remember years ago, there would be a calendar that would come out and there'd be like, oh my gosh, a uh, hundred programs that, that you could take uh, in the evening. Uh, is that, I should know the answer to this, but I don't, is, is that still happening? Yeah, certainly we, we continue to offer uh, hundreds of courses and opportunities, often through Ontario Learn, which is, uh, those are online uh, courses. It's okay. a consortium of, of colleges. So not every college has to offer the same course. So it, it offers more choice uh, to more learners. We host some of those and then other colleges host others. So through Ontario Learn, uh, we've expanded our, our, our offerings uh, for those general interest or specific courses. Uh, but we're also looking at bringing in uh, more micro credentials and that are stackable, so that it, so that it's laid out for individuals that may do a really you know specific micro credential, uh, but understand that that you know with with three or four or five other micro credentials it leads to something broader. Uh, so I think that's that's again uh, I, I know both for the university and and for the college, uh, the idea of micro credentials. And, and how to what the framework look, look looks like and how to present those in a way that people understand that if you know that, that they're, they're building blocks mm -hmm. uh, they express a specific need but then can be laddered into something else is going to be a bigger part of, of our future programming and I, I realized I just really really aged myself when I said a catalog a calendar of <laughs> Holy smokes, <laughs> Lynn. Let's uh, let's hear what you have to say on this. Yeah, Noel, and, and I'm with you with the on the catalog. I remember those things. <laughs> uh, you know, sim similar to Niagara College, Brock is really looking at um, you know kind of the new models of learning. Sean used the word flexible, which I think is is the perfect word for uh, program delivery in the future, that we understand that, you know, there's a real accessibility uh, around online learning for people who are working full time or have children or have uh, mobility um, concerns. So, you know, there, there are lots of reasons to make uh, programming accessible in an online format, but people also, of course, value those in-person experiences right, to, to be together. So uh, we're really looking 
at a, a mix of programming. And as Sean said, we too are looking at, you know, kind of the stackable credentials. This is the, the way of the future. And, and really working with industry partners to to determine what kinds of micro-credentials, badging, laddering opportunities are, are useful to people in their working lives. You know, four-year degree programs, credit degree programs are, are wonderful and that's still our, our bread and butter, but there are lots of people, lots of learners out there that want different kinds of options to interface with the university uh, in, in new ways at both the undergraduate and graduate level uh, as they move through their career paths. And we know now that people don't tend to stay in one career. Uh, right. for their entire lives. They, they, they are quite mobile in the system and we want to be responsive to that. Yeah, the, the other thing I'd add to Dolores and, and Rob, just uh, you know, thinking about kind of, there's the, the move to more virtual and smaller credentials. I think also trying to find ways, and, and this was paused, of course, during the pandemic, but we're so excited to start bringing back some of this uh, shorter uh, term on-campus uh, programming for for uh, for the community. Uh, we are bringing back motorcycle. We're relaunching our motorcycle training, which I think is probably one of our longest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that almost anyone who rides a motorcycle yeah. in Niagara has gone through our motorcycle training. So that will be back uh, in the spring, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, but but also uh, thinking about uh, starting to to you know reinvigorate some of the initiatives that we had just started to play play with. Uh, you know, in terms of of, of piloting uh, things like like brewmaster. Boot camp, where 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 if we have um, an opportunity because our facilities, you know, it's between between the semesters. We've got these amazing facilities that's, that that we could offer something in in a, you know in a one week duration that would give individuals who are interested in learning more uh, that that chance to, to use our facilities and to have that intensive learning experience on campus. So sometimes the flexibility I think is around maybe it's short and intense as opposed to uh, virtual uh, and and in person. There's many different ways of offering a flexible programming. So so how so we're talking about flexibility, which I love because that's important. But how quick, like how quickly can we respond to a need in the community? So if there's a real shortage in, in a specific area and we need to get people trained for something, how quickly can the university and, and college respond to something like that? Is Because I've heard mixed messages. So some people have said, no, you know what? We, we are, we can respond. We, we are flexible. And then I've heard, oh no, it takes us a couple of years to go through all of the processes to... Um, so what's, what's, what's the real answer? Uh, yeah, thanks. So I, I suspected those reflections might come on the university side, uh, maybe more so on the college side. Uh, and the reason for that is for, for credit programming. Uh, you know, there are processes that need to be gone through uh, in the university through our, our academic senate and then out through a quality assurance process, um, you know, overseen by the Ministry of Colleges and Universities. And so credit programming, a four-year um, credit degree program, yes, does take a couple of years to develop. Engineering. Uh, That's and, what comes engineering. So <laughs> we're working on it. It's going to take a little time, but we're working on it. Uh, well, you know, but, and, and that's because, obviously, uh, you know, a program like engineering has to have, has to be accredited by a professional body. It has to meet all of the quality standards uh, that we would expect. You want your engineers to, you know, build a, build a good bridge and build a good road. Uh, so the the approval processes take some time. So we make sure everything's in place. Where we can be more uh, responsive and more nimble is on the non-credit side. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. uh, we are working on an approval process uh, in collaboration with our Senate that will be quite uh, quite quick so that when we get an idea, when we get a, a request from uh, a community partner saying we could use a micro-credential in tourism or you know what, whatever comes along, uh, we will be able to respond to that quite quickly. And as said, we, we've just made the, the great investment in a, a new associate vice president in this area. She comes to us from the college sector and, and has a lot of that. Uh, great kind of responsive thinking in her background. So we're really excited. We're, we're planning and launching our professional and continuing studies division in June of 22. Great, great. And Sean? Well, I, I think that the college system uh, and certainly Niagara College, a uh, cornerstone of, of what, you know, what we're about, uh, even from our very founding days under Bill Davis, was to be more, you know, immediately responsive uh, to, to changing industry needs and workforce needs. And so that continues to, to drive us forward. Um, certainly, you know, two examples just uh, within, you know, the last uh, year, uh, we, we have uh, had a 50, we've been able to increase by 50% uh, our nursing programs, our practical nursing programs and our personal support uh, worker programs. Obviously an overwhelming demand for graduates from, from those programs. So we've been able to ramp that up and we made that a priority. We, we took other spaces that were, that were you know, we, we took one, our, one of our major meeting rooms and we just made it into a lab uh, because it was such an immediate need for, for, uh, for trained people in, in those fields. So we try and be as responsive as we can be. We also have some of our own approval processes, but we really do try and focus our efforts where, where the, the need is greatest. Uh, and another example we'll be launching uh, in in the uh, in the fall next fall uh, a graduate certificate in uh, supply chain management and so I think you know if if there are two recurring topics that we've all heard about almost yeah. every day uh, in the news during the pandemic it's it's uh, the the health system and then long term care homes needing needing uh, skilled people and of course the challenges that we've all faced and that we're all paying for in different ways uh, around supply chain. Yeah, there'd be no shortage of case studies in that area. That is for sure. Um, <laughs> what, 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 one thing I'm hearing a lot is about pivoting and adapting, and it's something that I think we all have in common across all industries, and all of our members uh, have been going through that for the last two years. And you know that pivoting and adapting really requires great teams, right? It doesn't happen without uh, the resources, particularly the human resources that that we all have. Um, so, you know, now we're hitting a point sort of, I wouldn't say the pandemic's in our rearview mirror, but it's definitely, you know, we're st I think the fog is clearing. So we're, st we're all starting to experience growth. And in your case, that's students coming back on campus. And for a lot of us, that's a, a return to some sort of normal. So I'm wondering, you know, having two key executives on the call here uh, today, you know, what are you doing to engage and inspire your key staff? You know, the, the people that are really, that's something I think all of our members can relate to. And, you know, our, our teams have got us to this point where we're still surviving and, you know, we're in the position to experience growth. So I'm, I'm wondering, I just want to hear from both of you about you know, how you're leveraging those resources, those human resources that have been so helpful. Uh, thanks, Rob. That, that is a great question. And I, I can't say enough good things about the, the teams that I work with here at Brock. Um, you know, all, all of them, as everyone in society went through, you know, a very difficult year, uh, you know, working virtually, losing that sense of day-to-day -day engagement. But, uh, you know, everyone kept really focused on the strategy of the institution. 
Uh, and I think, you know, bringing people back now, uh, it's important, first of all, to recognize uh, the service that people uh, did put in over the last year and, and the, you know, the hurdles that they overcame and particularly their commitment to our students uh, throughout uh, the pandemic that's where our, our focus always needs to be uh, but you know for, for me now uh, you know in an interim role um, it's really keeping people uh, focused on the fact that the, the future is, is a bright one we've been through some difficult things but there are great things on our horizon and I'm going to talk to you know our continuing education development engineering uh, like Niagara College we're expanding in nursing we're looking to expand in teachers education we're developing new programs all the time, we're, we're going to be opening a new campus in Burlington uh, as well. So there, there is lots uh, ahead of us that is positive and to keep people you know, focused on that future rather than kind of dwelling on, on the difficulties of the past year. We made it through all that. We, we did a great job of doing that. So now let's, let's get back to thinking about the strategic future of the institution. Yeah, and, and for us, uh, you know, similarly, this is, I mean, for, for all, all of us, all businesses, all organizations, uh, it's been a rough time. Uh, and, you know, I think we early on, one of the strengths of, of Niagara College, one of the reasons I'm, I'm so thrilled uh, to be president is, is we have uh, this caring, incredibly caring organizational culture. We hear comments about it from visitors and, and all the time. There's this palpable sense of, of pride and commitment to one another. So we, we had our hashtag NC together and found various ways throughout the pandemic to, to reach out, support one another. We had some videos, we had uh, different ways of, of both on campus and, and, and mostly virtual uh, ways of, of engaging uh, and having our employees engage with, one, with, with each other through uh, our, our Niagara Day, which is an all employee event. Uh, normally we would have it, uh, you know, with about 500 people on campus. We now we found some really interesting ways utilizing our broadcasting, uh, radio, television, film programs, with the, utilizing those facilities to do some really interesting, interactive uh, things with with employees. And we had seven, seven to 800 uh, participants. Uh, so there are ways of, of ensuring that you continue to have those those vital uh, culture building uh, events for for employees. Uh, but also, we you know, our, uh, I did a presidential uh, listening tour where I had a chance in smaller groups, both on campus and and uh, and virtually, to as we started to think about you know dreaming big for our next strategic plan, leveraging our, our strengths, and and then of course we've done the external consultations. But those small group sessions were also really powerful because it, we intentionally had a mix of of uh, staff and faculty and administrators from different areas of the campus. So they heard each other and it just generated this incredible buzz and excitement. And it will, uh, it will lead us to, to some amazing things that, you know, in terms of key areas of focus moving forward around academic excellence and innovation, our global engagement uh, opportunities, partnerships, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and the ways of, of, of uh, engaging in partnerships uh, with, with our communities and, and employers. Uh, and then a real focus on, on uh, finding ways, thinking about uh, the student experience, making that a holistic perspective and, and different ways of engaging our students so that, that they grow within the classroom uh, and they grow, they, they have co-curricular opportunities and experiential learning opportunities and volunteer service learning opportunities uh, so that they grow uh, as citizens and, and, uh, and, uh, and as adults. Uh, so so we're, we're looking at all, all of those areas uh, and of course still wanting to be a leader in the country uh, in research and innovation. So I think there's a great, great sense of excitement around all of those key areas. But that coalesced through that listening tour. And I think one thing that, that struck me, because and, and, it was always a concern, I think, Rob, you, you've touched on something that's such a concern for, 
for any leader of any organization after you know 18 plus months of, of just complete disruption from the norms that, that usually bring people together, uh, that we find alternative ways of doing that, but continuing to nurture those, those, those critical uh, connections. And, and I think it will lead us, you know, we're still trying to find the equilibrium. We will have more flexible work uh, moving forward, but we also have recognized the importance of, of place-based uh, interactions and, and, and also a chance, regardless of, of function at the college, of employees feeling the buzz. I mean, we, we were, uh, Lynn and I are, are, are so privileged uh, to be able to work in an organization with organizations in a setting that is is so dynamic and there's a buzz with students uh, on campus uh, that that really is inspirational for for all employees and we want to try and make sure that we have we, we have a, an ability for everyone to experience that yeah that's a great great message some words of wisdom right there from you both I um, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor of the podcast the Small Business Enterprise Center City of Niagara Falls thank you very much. Do you have an idea for a small business? Maybe you're trying to grow a business that you've already started. Whatever the case, the Niagara Falls Small Business Enterprise Center is a community service that is here to help. Offering entrepreneurs the tools to start and grow their businesses, the Small Business Enterprise Center is your one-stop for free business information and advice. Serving Niagara Falls and South Niagara, learn more about how we can help you and your business succeed at niagarafalls.ca slash SBEC. We're getting close to our time, but I, I want to touch just briefly on the relationship between the college and the university. I know that there's some joint programming. I think uh, the police foundations might be one of those programs, but I know that there's a few others. And, um, you know, sometimes people don't realize how closely the, the university and the college work together. Um, so if you could touch on, on some of that, that would be great. Lynn, we'll start with you. Yeah, thank you. Yes, so I, I have to say, I, I love college university partnerships. Um, in my previous work in another province, I, I worked a lot with, with colleges uh, from the university side. So one of the first things I did when I became provost last year was uh, connect with my counterpart, Fiona Allen over at Niagara College. She's, she's just wonderful. And we set up a working group bringing, uh, you know, uh, leads from our various academic teams together, our deans, our registrars, uh, and they're continually talking about new ideas. We have, you know, great uh, uh, program collaboration, such as the game program. So that's around, you know, like video game development that's, you know, brings together the kind of applied side from the, the college, uh, but the, you know, narrative developments aside from uh, the university uh, faculty involved, very popular with students. I think it's a, a model for the ways that we can bring together the strengths of the college and the university uh, to, to meet student needs, to give them programming that's relevant to them and, and attractive. So lo lots more to come as we're, we're, we're great friends and good partners. So. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I couldn't agree more. I'll, I'll, I'll just you know, say that, that for us, that partnership. Uh, what's some, you know, our overall objective uh, is to ensure that that we do right uh, by Niagara, for Niagara, uh, and you know, we're we're fortunate uh, to have, uh, you know, from the college perspective, to have such a, 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 a you know a tremendous university 
uh, within the region. Uh, but I think the expectation is for 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 uh, you know for for the communities and and, and the citizens of, of Niagara that we're working together, and and we do. And I think it. And I, I just want to uh, to say that it's it's been. A real pleasure to to uh, start to work with Lynn, and and I'm looking forward to continuing to to work with her and and uh, her team, uh, because we have some you know we have some individuals that I think understand those that really understand, uh, and Lynn certainly models that the the importance of college university partnerships and has experience in, in making those work. Uh, and we want to leverage those. And we're doing it, uh, and Lynn touched on a number of ways that we're working together. And the game development program is a you know, fully dual, dual credential program where, where students are dual citizens of both uh, Brock University and Niagara College throughout their programming is a good example of, of uh, at a really integrated level of, of, of what we can do together. Uh, but there's also so many other ways that, that we work together and in, in, uh, both in Niagara and, and also uh, we're doing more and more internationally. We're, 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 we're bringing our, our respective expertise uh, to, to projects and capacity building uh, internationally as well. Fantastic. Well, I, I was anticipating a really good conversation this morning and I was not disappointed. Uh, thank you so much, Rob, for co-hosting this morning. And uh, many thanks to both Sean and uh, Lynn. Keep doing the great work that you guys are doing with your teams. Um, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, we are heading into our holiday hiatus, but we'll be back in the new year with a brand new lineup of fantastic conversations. To all of our listeners, send us the topics that you're talking about because we want to talk about them too. Thanks again for tuning in and have yourselves a wonderful week.